What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to a special edition of the podcast today. It will be a special edition podcast on the future of Australian football. I'm joined by a very special guest who's very nice enough to give us a bit of his time, Fox Sports analyst and now commentator, Adam Peacock. Thanks for doing this, mate. How are you? Yeah, doing good, you know. Um, well, as a, as a Sydney FC fan and a, you know an A-League fan, times are, are a bit tough at the moment, you know. There's a, a lot up in the air with the current climate, so we just want to get to the bottom mm. of that with you. Um, yeah. I want to start off. I want to start off on a bit of a just a bit of a sidetrack. Um, in 2016, you had a very interesting uh, confrontation with Graham Arnold. Um, he wasn't too <laughs> happy with you uh, for not interviewing him for a couple of weeks in a row. He's had a bit of a back and forth. I just want to know. I think a lot of people want to know: Have you ever buried the hatchet with him since then? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. we we get on great now. So um, until the next time something maybe goes wrong and he doesn't agree with what I've said or. Whatever. So, I, I, personally, I had no problem with um, that, and he uh, he he was a little wound up because things weren't going so well for Sydney FC. But it, we just got on with it. Um, we get on fine now. Um, we speak a fair bit about the direction of Australian football, and um, yeah, he obviously turned something that was a negative for Sydney FC that particular season into an overwhelming positive because. After that, um, not that I'm taking any credit for anything. <laughs> Absolutely not. It was it was all what Graham Arnold did with his plans and yeah. um, the structures he put in place at Sydney FC. Just a spectacular run um, to see out his time there. And then he took over the Socceroos job. So, yeah, since then, um, oh, it lasted a couple of months. There wasn't much dialogue, shall we say. But yeah. in the end, I think it was an FFA Cup match. I saw him at the, the next before the next season. We just had a chat and I just said, look, mate, I, I don't have any problem whatsoever. I get that you live in a very competitive world um, and results mean so much to you and the noise around it means so much to you. I just have the, the job of going on TV and, and saying what I feel and there's no kind of responsibility around that. And he has a lot of responsibility of, of uh, answering to his paymasters and also getting the most out of the footballers that um, are under his tutelage. And yeah, got over it pretty quick. Oh, that's good to hear because just looking at it, I rewatched it in preparation for this and it looked really, really fiery. Like he was going to come up to the box. Yeah, it was. <laughs> yeah, that was fine. It was, I, I didn't mind it one bit um, yeah. because it showed that how much he actually cares about what he does. And um, yeah. I know that fully now. So, yeah. Oh, that's good to hear. Um, so you stepped up to the, the commentary role during the, uh, the COVID sort of little bubble in over the, the month of the mm. A-League. Uh, How do you find that compared to your, your previous roles of just sort of analysing and sideline reporting? Yeah, sideline reporting and hosting and, and mm. getting the most out of the analysts next to me. Look, it, it wasn't an ideal situation. Um, it wasn't something that I definitely asked for. It wasn't something that I thought I'd be doing. Um, because um, I was just used to uh, hosting and that I really enjoy. And I actually came to enjoy commentating as well. And uh, they asked me to do it. So they were paying me. I can't turn around and say, no, I'm not doing it, especially in this current economic climate. Yeah. So they, they asked you to do something, you do it. And I tried to do it the best of my ability. And look, I'm, I, don't, I know I don't have the voice of Simon Hill. I know I don't have the voice of a Brenton Speed, but like to think I know a little bit about the game, so I'll come at it from a different way without having those huge notes to hit when something good happens. I'll just try and get through those as best I can, but really add something in other ways um, to, to the kind of strengths that I feel like I have and, and hide up the weaknesses, a bit like a footballer, really. 
<laughs> yeah. Um, you mentioned uh, Simon Hill. I feel like he was just such a huge part towards the league. He was the voice of the A-League for so long. I think it was a huge shock to every single fan when he left. Um, do you feel like the league's going to miss him the most out of everything? Uh, yeah, well, he's a great commentator. I'm not really privy to exactly when, when what went on because mm. that was a discussion between him and, and the people at Fox Sports and it's a, a completely private matter. It, it is a shame because he's a fantastic commentator but Fox Sports had their reasons and Simon had his reasons as well and in the end it was a parting of the ways but um, good news is he's still involved heavily. He's doing his podcast which I listen to and it's, it's great. Um, I read his articles because he's such a fabulous writer and he's calling on radio and never know. I mean, in six months' time, um, I'm hoping not because I'm biased because I work for Fox Sports. <laughs> yeah. The TV rights are up. So, yeah, yeah he's, he's still around the game and, and people need, um, and, and this is not condescending in either, any way, shape or form, but the, the game needs people like Simon Hill who are so Absolutely. passionate about it to to be the voice for, for fans. And that's what he prides himself on, I think, about getting as much information out there for people who love and want to digest as much information out there. Uh, um, and he's the, the one to provide it. So, yeah, it was a shame. And I, I didn't think you know, it was a bit like coming into bat after Bradman a little bit, having to commentate <laughs> after him. But, um, look, he, he's that good. I'm sure he's going to be around for a very, very long time, which is a good thing for Australian football. Or if it's not here in Australia, I don't know what his plans are in football in general. Yeah, yeah, he's just such a huge piece to it. Even um, you look at the, the most iconic goal in Australian history, John Aloisi's penalty, he was a part of that. You look at the most iconic moments in A-League history, he's been there for all of that. So I just, I, I think it's a real big loss to the game and it's a real shame. But um, mm. on to the next point. You were at, the, I believe, the one of the Warriors Rugby League games on, on the Central Coast. Um, was that was that part of your plan? Fox Sports say, hey, you know, someone's called in sick, we need a sideline reporter. What happened there? Uh, they, yeah, they called up a few weeks beforehand and said, hey, mate, we need you to do this because we're a bit stretched on, on bodies and, mm -hmm. and people to do. And I, I've said to them previously, uh, I'll happily work on any sport you see fit to put me on. So at the moment, I'm doing a bit of UFC. I'm back on the Fox Sports yeah, News yeah, desk yeah. Um, in this off-season, if you want to call it, for football. And yeah, they called me to do some rugby league, so I'm happy to do that. Um, as I mentioned earlier, at the moment, and maybe a bit of a tip for journalism students as well, uh, you'd have to have a bloody good reason to say no to something at the moment. Mm -hmm. You don't go around saying no. That's not a very good idea. So I was more than happy. And look, it's sport. It's not like they're asking me to carry pianos um, out of <laughs> yeah, mansions yeah. And, and put them on the back of trucks. It's freaking sitting on a sideline and talking about a sport, which I watch a lot of rugby league. Yeah. So, yeah, it was really enjoyable and, and really enjoying the UFC as well. Man. Yeah, who's your rugby league team? Manly. Yeah, yeah, unfortunate times. You got a, a very brittle. Well, I can see a St. George Illawarra jersey as we do this Zoom chat. You know, I know we're only getting the audio, but I can see a Saints jersey behind you. And so you know all about disappointment. Uh, uh, it's been a long a, decade. Yeah, as a St. George fan, um, there is nothing. Uh, I, I don't want to talk about it. There's a lot of disappointment going on in the club. I could do an hour podcast on that. Um, I posted up on a on a group that we we're going to have you on the podcast, and I got a few responses. One of the best ones I saw was uh, Matt uh, Vandenberg asked about your free kick sessions with your son. He says you can seriously hit a hmm. dead ball, and I, I got to agree with it. You've got a decent ping on you from a free kick. Left foot only. <laughs> <laughs> Left foot only. But mine, mine. I try to belt it so hard. I'm. I'm of the opinion that an underused tactic 
especially for left footers who seem to be able to get more waz on the ball, more, yeah. more curve, to go around the wall instead of over it. Okay. So from a certain distance, if you're too close, you're not home. But um, my son has got a much better traditional and just a better technique than me. So, yeah, we go down there and ping some free kicks on Friday Arvos. He plays on the Saturdays and just to get him out of the house instead of um, sitting on, on his PlayStation or, <laughs> or Xbox for three hours before he goes and plays a game the next day. I'd yeah. say stretching the legs and getting out there, having a kick is a better option. Well, I'd love to see like a, a free kick off between you two. I think I'd put my money on you. Your free kicks lately have been on point. So. Me, or, me and Vandenberg? Me and or you, me and my uh, son. you and your son, sorry. Yeah, oh, no, no. Uh, Noah has actually got me covered. So, okay. <laughs> yeah, I know, but I, I only put my really good ones up and I just maybe put one. Up, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a lot more consistent. Pick and choose. Put yeah. it that way. Yeah. Um, so, the report during the week was that Newcastle Jets are close to going under with uh, the coach Carl Robinson leaving for Western Sydney, along with his uh, assistant. Um, I think this mm. is a, a bad trend that's I, I hopefully don't want to see happening, but unfortunately, it could be a reality of the situation. Um, how much do you think it will impact the league? Do you think it will have a domino effect or just one-off? No, I don't think it's a domino effect. But it, firstly, a coach like Carl Robinson leaving in Newcastle and going to Western Sydney happens, I think it's happened in just about every league in the world. Yep. And the most famous example in the last decade, of course, is David Moyes leaving Everton to go to Manchester United because he viewed it as a bigger job. Now, obviously, totally different circumstances because... Manchester United were um, farewelling Sir Alex Ferguson after he retired. He didn't get sacked. So different set of circumstances. However, uh, the, the big club, which is Western Sydney in this instance, will always be able to trump the little club when it comes to coaches and players and things like that. So the little club just has to do things differently. They have to have an academy set up that's strong. They have to have infrastructure. They have to have facilities that makes players want to go there. They have to have a comfortable lifestyle surrounding the football club, which Newcastle do. However, they don't have the other things that I mentioned before in terms of facilities. And it's a bit indicative of the, the A-League as a whole that there's too much has gone on the last 15 years. And you look at it now and you look at Newcastle, what do they have next to their name as a football club? They've essentially rented. So they've, <laughs> they're like a human being who's got to the age of 35 and they're still figuring out how on earth they're going to save for a deposit on a house because they've lived, lived hand to mouth the whole, the whole time. And it's a bit of an unfortunate circumstance that you see a lot in the A-League, that facilities um, and infrastructure just aren't part of a club's DNA. I'm talking not so much playing, but I'm talking training and where you base yourself and having a shrine to your football club, even a little museum if you want. Western Sydney Wanderers will be able to do that. They've got a fantastic facility out there that's theirs, it's purpose-built. Newcastle don't have that. And if a coach gets a tap on the shoulder and things aren't going well and there's big questions about the ownership in Newcastle and the coach gets wind that there's an opportunity at Western Sydney Wanderers that's come up, of course he's going to get involved. Now, I don't know how that opportunity came up, who approached who. Something went on in the last two weeks and we'll probably never know about who approached who in that regard. But the fact is Western Sydney got their man and Newcastle are left with virtually nothing unfortunately and hopefully they can find a new owner soon because it is there the, the the feeling around the football club and around newcastle is that yeah we want to support an a-league football club but they've got to start acting like one because they've been left behind at the moment 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, there was there was a report that they like just a slight little report, not even a report, it was more just like a someone brought it up on Twitter saying that would you see the uh, the Central Coast Mariners and Newcastle Jets going together? I I don't see that happening in a million years, honestly. Two the two no, big rivals no. going in together, no. Yeah, no, it, it can't happen. And if then what? Do they play half their games in Newcastle, half mm. in the Central Coast? Yeah, what do they build a stadium at Swansea Belmont? No, it's, <laughs> that, it's, yeah. not gonna, it's not going to happen. They'll turn into the Hunter Mariners from the Super League, you know, just represent the whole Hunter oh, region. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And have uh, 1,500 people go to their game. No <laughs> yeah. One care. yeah. Um, in April, you said on uh, Fox Sports News, you said that the FFA can't remain, uh, the, the clubs can't remain independent from the FFA. Sorry. Uh, do you still stand by this? Yes. Because they haven't shown that they can do what they need to do in a cohesive manner. So that they're not ready to move out of home, in my opinion. That They say they are, but you've got owners like Tony Sage going off and saying, oh, we're not paying our players. And then a day later, three other A-League clubs saying, oh, yeah, they've, they've agreed to a 10 to 15% cut. Like... What do you, like? How does that? If you're a Perth Glory member, what incentive do you have at the moment to re-sign? Unfortunately, to say, yeah, I want to be a fervent fan of this particular football club because I like the way they go about things. It's it's mystifying, and, and you're only as strong as your, your weakest uh, links, as the old horrible cliche goes. And the the clubs wanting to run things, and they haven't made it clear about how they want to run things. Is it going to be a Premier League model? Is it going to be a German model? Is it going to be a Japanese model? Who knows? Uh, how is it going to equate to one day having promotion relegation so we can call ourselves a proper football country? Who knows? It's all information that we don't know. And if you expect people to get interested in it and care about it, well, how do you expect that when people don't know a lot? And I know things have got to remain in confidence in terms of commercial dealings, but just a general vague idea about how you want it to look and how you want to do things would be maybe good for the people that actually care about it. And that's the fans and the people that are actually putting into the club, the fans. Yeah, yeah that's a very solid point. Um, I think along with that um, sort of model is a big question is the salary cap. Um, you know, if it's going to stay, is there going to be you know, additions to it? Um, what, what would you th uh, say is the most the, the best model that Australian football can adapt in terms of a salary cap? Get rid of it. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know why we have it. Clubs can only afford to pay... Most clubs can only afford to pay players 2 million, 2.5 million, but a couple of clubs can afford to pay 4 million, 5 million. So why not let them? At the moment, you're just holding back and you're appealing to the lowest common denominator in the, in, in the hope that you can have some kind of parity with your competition. We don't have it anyway. Sydney have dominated because they've got things right. They can spend what they want. They've used all the luxuries in the soft salary cap. Melbourne City can do the same. They do all those things. And look who played in the grand final last season. Look, there's a few changes at the top here and there. Newcastle had that out last season. Melbourne Victory have been there or thereabouts. Western Sydney, when they get there, you know what, together, they can be okay. But really, the way I see it, and, and Adelaide have got a really good model. Look, talking to their club, they're like, we could abolish the salary cap tomorrow and nothing would change with what we pay our players because that's what we can afford. That's our business model. That's like any club in the world. 
the ones that go under are the ones that are stupid with their money. Now, if you want to be stupid with their money, and I guess this is the protectionism that the, the FFA was guarding against when introducing a salary cap and holding onto it that whole time was protecting the clubs from themselves. Let's be adults. Let's just maybe grow up a bit and think that, yeah, that these owners, these clubs are going to be pretty responsible with their own money. And if they're going to be flipping about it, well, you can lean back on the bank guarantees that hopefully are in place that if a club goes bust, the FFA can plunge into the bank and go, hey, you know that $5 million we have set aside because of the transaction? We need it now because a lot of people are going to go without pay for a while. So, yeah, I'd get rid of the salary cap because then it allows you to be able to have transfer fees between A-League clubs and NBL clubs and, and all that and, and change personnel through the season and give people contract upgrades because they deserve it and they've had a really good start to the season or whatever and they want to hang on to them for, for three more years. So, yeah, I'd, um, I'd bin it. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree with you more. I think it's it's the number one thing holding the league back at the moment. Um, just a couple of fan questions uh, before we end things here. Um, Kian Lu asks if the, if you think the A League can survive if Foxtel pulls the plug on its current deal. Uh, yeah, 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 I do. Yeah, uh, obviously, speaking personally, I freaking not like the idea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, but yeah, yeah, there's there's options. Um, it, there's not as many options as people think. And if people, one thing I want to make, make clear as well, free-to-air television. People say, oh, the, the game needs free-to-air television. Well, free-to-air television doesn't need football, firstly, because you can't take ad breaks during 45 minutes. 45 minutes without an ad break. Mm -hmm. And that's the lone revenue stream for a free-to-air network. That ain't happening. And free-to-air networks in Australia are bleeding money. They are in so much trouble. Like Channel 7's market capitalization last time I checked was $180 million on the share market. That's not a lot for a big television station, put it that way. So it's not as if everything's rosy in free-to-air land. Can you do a deal where you do it with a streaming joint, um, another pay TV operator or provider or whatever like that, or a telco like the Premier League did with Optus, and then maybe hand on a game a week to a free-to-wear just to get yourselves out there a bit, maybe. That might be palatable. But there are options. It's not all doom and gloom, but I think the game's best interest, and here we go, this is biased talking, <laughs> is to try and cultivate the, get something more out of this Fox relationship because I can't quite work out how it's Fox's fault that football's in this problem after giving it $500 million over 15 years doesn't quite make sense to me. And if anyone can make sense of it to me and turn my head around on it, it'd have to be a damn good argument. Yeah, no, that's a very valid point. I agree with that. Um, Jim Lawrence says he'd like to see the Socceroos name dropped so the sport could move forward. Obviously, you know, soccer's a bit of a, a bit of a term amongst, you know, uh, passionate football fans in Australia. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Mm. Yeah, it's not happening, unfortunately. Yeah. Sorry, <laughs> it's, it's um, yeah, it's uh, it's stuck, and it's like the nickname you get in high school, and it sticks with you for the rest of your life. As much as you don't want it, you got it. So yep. yeah, it's 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 too much of a branding exercise now as well. Uh, it's soccer is everywhere. They're not going to change it to anything. So yep, soccer is it is. Unfortunately, if in that regard, I don't really care. I could yeah. care less if it's called soccer or football. I don't give a stuff about it. it's still the same sport to me. So. Yeah, no, fair enough. I don't think we're going to be called the footballer ruse anytime soon either. So um, no. on, 
<laughs> on to the next one. Uh, ben White asks if you think the A-League should bite the bullet and permanently move to summer. I, I disagree with this one completely, to be honest. Summer or winter? Oh, uh, winter, sorry. Yeah, sorry, sorry. Winter? Yeah, uh, yeah I do. I, I actually think it'll be a better product. Um, I saw, we saw when all those games were in August mm-hmm. that the games were good. And being live at them, uh, a lot of them, the games were quicker. And players were better because of it. Mm. And, yeah, you're going to go up against AFL and NRL. But one day, in my opinion, football in Australia is going to have to put the, the big boy and big girl pants on and look after itself regardless of what's around it. And that might be flippant and that might be stupid. And that might go against common sense. From an outward-looking perspective, uh, looking outwardly in, but looking inwardly out, I can't see why we need to... We need to really play in summer, actually. Um, it's going to be brutal at the start of the season um, in terms of conditions. It's going to be nice for fans to sit on the hill, whatever, at 7.30 on a night, on a, on a summer's night, as long as it's not still 40 degrees, which we can cop sometimes, and as long as there's no 4pm kickoffs in Perth in February. But, yeah, I, I like the idea of the, the winter comp because it aligns us with Asia. Look, we don't need to play all the way through winter. We can have a mid-season break. They do it in a lot of countries. They can run one... One competition to start things. You, you get a little bonus if you finish top after the first 12, 13 rounds, 14 rounds. We can play more matches. And then you can have an FFA Cup when you come back in July and then play all the way through into the end of November. So then you've got the football calendar is start of February until the end of November with a few breaks and a lot of football. That's the main thing. A lot of football and a lot of opportunities for young Australians to make their mistakes here. So maybe prove themselves good enough to go overseas and that will pay for a lot in Australian football going forward because we have that revenue stream that other codes simply will never have. Mm. But do you, do you not feel like, because um, Australia is such a sport-heavy nation, that people have an AFL team, an NRL team, and a soccer team, and when it comes to, when, when the seasons slowly overlap, when the A-League season starts mm. and, the, and the rugby season's finishing up, a lot of people just prefer to watch rugby or just are more passionate about it. Do you not feel like the fans will prioritise other sports over football? Yeah, they will. But make yourself good. That's yeah. what my argument is. If, if you make the product good enough, um, it can lead to endless opportunities. Mm-hmm. And if you're having things like salary caps and having excuses about why people aren't coming to the games and having fans treated the way they've been treated uh, and a range of things that the game unable to push through what it's about in a clear way to the whole of the football pyramid and aligning yourself with the football pyramid so kids can go and play a game at nine o'clock on a Saturday or Sunday morning and then in a few hours' time hop in the car with mum and or dad and go to an A-League and or W-League game. And at the moment, it's very difficult to do that because you're trying to pull people off beaches. So, yeah, whatever way you look at it, there's going to be challenges. I just prefer the challenges in a time where other football is happening in Australia. And if you're going to align everything and promotion relegation is a part of this, um, I think you, you go with that one. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, just a couple more. Um, ben Soley asks if you think they should loosen active support rules to make a better atmosphere for the A-League. Yeah, I, and, and I'm not saying that let's turn it into the eternal derby in Belgrade and have <laughs> 8,000 freaking flares going off and yeah. the, the teams walk out. But I... I there are good ways of doing it. You look at the, the active, active support, the, the support that um, 
teams get in the MLS and that the way that their LAR safe smoke, which they've tried to introduce here, the odd flare, as long as it's choreographed and it's safe. Um, and this comes back to the policing. The, the issues that they yeah. had is that the, the police commanders change every six months, 12 months, 18 months within a, a local area, and they have to re-educate the whole thing and then make sure that everything's okay. Um, well, we're not saying that it's okay to, to rip seats off and throw them, on the, throw them on the pitch, but we are saying that it's okay to, you know, stand up, not have to sit down the whole time, make as much noise as you want, a little bit of swearing. I'm a parent. If they're saying naughty words in the active area, I'll just explain to my 11-year-old daughter, you can't say it, but you can listen to it. You understand the word now, but I don't want to hear it come out of your mouth until you're 18. Um, I mean, you turn on MTV or whatever music they've got, and there's all kinds of language being used in those things. So, yeah, it's not this wholesome atmosphere sometimes at a football match. That's football. That's what it is. So, yeah, I would like the active support um, or the... The, uh, the noisy support, the, the colourful, noisy support that we love at A-League games come rushing back. And, yeah, there's, there's got to be a give, bit of give and take, unfortunately. And I know a lot of active support groups are, are saying that we've been ostracised so much, and that is true. But you still do have to work within the parameters of the law. And sometimes the law says you can't rip flares. Is it a right law? I will personally think that it's not fair that you can get done for speeding in a school zone when there's a pupil free day, but you can still get done for speeding in a pupil in a 40 zone, unfortunately. So it's like that. You you just have to abide by it, unfortunately. And I know there's trouble with authority in various parts of Australian society, but it's just the way it goes. But there is a place. There absolutely is a place and a need for things to loosen up a bit with that. Absolutely, yeah. Um, I'm, I'm in the cove pretty much every other game. It's just really disappointing to see where it's come from to where it is now. Um, Jerome Guzzo asked, from a broadcast point of view, is there any innovations you'd like to see to help improve the product for the audience watching at home? I want to hear the VAR and the refs Absolutely. talking. I want to yes. hear the audio from the refs. We're not allowed to do it because of FIFA, and we've tried and tried and tried, and that the it was weird. We've I was sitting next to the referee's boss. It was Ben Wilson at the time at a Melbourne victory game. And he actually had his sports ears in so he could hear everything that the ref was saying. And he happened to come into our commentary area to watch the game because it was the only spare box. I said, oh, could I have a listen? Yeah, yeah, sure. For five minutes, I went, this is pretty cool. Um, can we maybe mic up a ref in a game towards the end of the season that maybe doesn't mean much? Mic him up or get your audio recording of the entire game and then just cut it up over five to six minutes just to show people the amount of communication that actually does go on between um, assistant referees and referees and VAR. And it was a Jared Gillette one. And it did millions and millions and millions of views because it got picked up by BT Sport and Mm -hmm. they showed it over there and they started beating their chest. Why aren't we doing this over here? So I would like to see that interaction be made more readily available um, for us, especially if VAR, if VAR is here to stay, uh, we need to be hearing those conversations because, um, yeah, as much as they want to protect themselves about some, saying something that they shouldn't, it's it's not up to them to protect themselves. We are the fans. We want to know what's going on the pitch. So we should be able to hear that all the time. And just a final question just from me as a fan, should we be worried about the future of the A-League? 
Um, oh, it's it's a little less certain than it once was, put it that way. <laughs> but I don't think so. I think I, I just look at the way that the NSL died and the the way that clubs were run then and who was running them and nothing against them. It's just in comparison to what is now. And the majority of owners are extremely wealthy, well-connected individuals who love their football and want to invest in the game and do it for the right reasons. They might not always get it right <laughs> and they might have financial difficulties, which means they need to pass their club on occasionally. But I, I just think that as unfortunate as this term is, it's a little too commercial for it to go belly up. There's, there's too much in place. Now, it's not ideal. It's not going to be as strong as it was in the Del Piero era for a number of years, for a number of factors. And I think COVID has actually just sped it all up to what was going to happen in a few years' time anyway. So the broadcast landscape has changed markedly, but they really do need to start tapping into this extra revenue stream that Australian football seems so reluctant to get involved with, and that's transfer windows and shipping off talent and plunging resources into development practices that allow clubs to be able to just have five or six kids ready to go. And if they're going to go before they make their A-League debut, whatever. But get 30, 40 games in the A-League and off you go. That's what um, Australian football needs to become. Well, that, yeah, very valid points there. Well, um, that's the end of the podcast. Thank you so much for coming on, man. We really appreciate it. I feel like the fans will really like this episode. A lot of people like me are just worried about the future of the A-League, don't know what's coming up. So thanks for clarifying all those points. And, uh, yeah, just, thanks for coming on, man. Let's just enjoy it. Well, it's, uh, well, when it's coming back, when there's certainty about December yep. 27, and then after that, I'm sure something will be worked out. I don't know what, but I'm pretty, pretty positive there'll be something to... Um, to, to be involved with in the years to come. Yeah, well, you, you give me a lot, of, a lot of positivity. I might have to renew my Sydney FC membership tomorrow. Thanks for coming on, Adam. Do it. <laughs> Cheers, mate. Have a good one. Just want to give a big shout out to our guest, Adam Peacock. He was incredibly nice enough to come on the podcast and give us a generous amount of his time. So we thank him a lot for that. Um, we really want to keep doing things like this where we venture out into other sports. Uh, we are a sports podcast, although we do mainly focus on basketball. We are lining up some guests in the coming weeks to go into other sports. So uh, give us a message on our Instagram page at only threes podcast. Uh, give us a follow as well and just uh, let us know if you'd like to see us go in any other sports and if you have any other suggestions for the podcast coming up. Thanks for the support, guys. Really appreciate it.